This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast. This is Season 7, Episode 13 the Dan Marino episode. That's for Dante. Dante Colinelli is with us today. Along with Sam Cohen, Kyle Gauss is off this week. He said he is uh, enjoying his World Series championship with the Atlanta Braves. He said uh, didn't have much of a voice from screaming. He's basking in the glory of a World Series championship. That's yeah. all. That's the only excuse he needs to not be here today. He, yeah. he deserves this. Sure. sure I yeah. guess. We'll go, we'll, we'll go with that. Kyle deserves know. this. But we have... So much stuff to get into today on this this Dan Marino episode. Any other famous number 13s that you guys want to throw out there? Uh, Sam, ready and willing as always. <laughs> there's got there's gotta <laughs> be thank one you. When I go to really these numbers, good. you would think that I'm asking you to provide your source. You're just completely stumped. You're like, do I have to? <laughs> How invasive, John. How invasive. I think- I think I'd be quicker to provide you with my social security number than but with, you should than, absolutely. I'd have that. Him. No, I'd have I'd have that answer quicker. Identity than, theft is, a <laughs> is not a joke. <laughs> I'd have that answer quicker than someone who wore number thirteen. Wow, I'm I'm blanking besides Marino. Usually, usually I have at least one, but I'm I'm blanking here. John, it's do any others? Good. I can't. I actually can't. Thirteen's like an uncommon number. Yeah, it's like a. I think. Yeah. It's an unlucky number. Yeah. yeah. It is an unlucky number. You know what we'd be hearing right now if Kyle was here? We'd be hearing. Can you hear yeah. just typing? Just yeah. Just yeah. Typing. Typing yeah. The, I mean, there are several. Oh, I mean, no. there's. Who's the best? Oh, no. Who is the best? Oh, I, I realize this is a subjective one. Philadelphia 76ers. Who is the best sixer of all time? Will, again, Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain, number 13. Now, again, I, 13? Before, any, before anybody bites my head off, I realized that Julius Irving was very good. So was Allen Iverson. So was Charles Barkley. But Wilt's up there. So He did know. score 100 points. That was pretty impressive. He did. We think he, we think he scored 100 points. We have no proof. I think he scored. You weren't there in Hershey that night. Yeah, he scored 100 points. I I was not there. I didn't see it for myself. Therefore, I would like a recount of how many points he scored. A recount. A recount. Oh god. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Moving on. Other other number. John, who else on that list? Before we get into, you've got. I mean, who? There, there's so many, and I'm not even. Give us one more. There, there are a couple. I'm there are a couple I'm thinking of. Uh, uh, Here's a clue. Who in the NBA right now might be a little upset? Steve Nash. Steve Nash. Steve, Steve Nash. Steve Nash. Steve Nash. He coaches. Oh, I should have known he, that. Steve Nash coaches this player. James Harden. I'm thinking of. Yes. I was going to say who might be upset about the recent changes and how a game is called. I can't believe I didn't think of Steve Nash. That is the only NBA jersey that I own. Is a Steve Nash Suns jersey. There's what a wild there. jersey to own. Love yeah. it. He's, he's my favorite player of all time. I, I love Steve Nash. He was awesome. Yeah, random, random fact about me. There you go. There Fantastic. That is terrific. So, all right. So there are your, your 13s for the day. There's, there's um, you know, there's Will, there's there's Harden. Um, there's, 
Uh, did Odell Beckham get cut today, or is he about to get cut by the Browns? They he's they can't no decide. longer part yeah. of the team. Yeah, they yeah. they decided that he's no longer part of the team one day after the trade deadline, which is you know uh, just great for business. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. A Rod too. A Rod was the last one I was thinking of. Oh, never, never heard of him. <laughs> never heard of him. All right. Anyway, that's a good. That's a healthy number of 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 thirteens. So yeah, we, we to, well overdid it. Yeah. Yeah. On to the more dreadful stuff, this temple football program, which is now three and five after losing 49 to seven to UCF more of the same stuff, bad offense, bad defense. Uh, they did not score until the game was well, well, well out of reach here. You know, now it's, you know, they're three and five, four games left. They have to win three of their next four games to, to, you know, to become a, a bowl eligible team. I think we're putting the cart way before the horse there, but you know, so much has gone wrong. And again, I, we're, we're not, you know, we are not glazing over the fact that they are hurting their injuries there. Deshaun Winston has been out since the Rutgers game. Amir Tyler did not play Saturday. Uh, MJ Griffin did not play Saturday. So you're playing without your two leading tacklers. Of course, we've discussed that you generally speaking, don't want your safeties all the time being your leading tacklers, depending on, you know, what scheme you play. Keyshawn Paul was out. So they're a banged up team. They're trying different combinations in the offensive line, but you know, nothing's working. You know, the quarterback seemed a little frustrated on Saturday. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but you know, we, we, we know that things are definitely not headed in the right direction. The, the, the fans are upset and I'm sure the players and coaches are upset too. Uh, Broad question here, guys. Again, I'm, I'm stating the obvious or asking the obvious. What, what what stands out to you when you look at that 42 point loss on Saturday? Sam, you want to go first? Um, Nobody wants sure. to really talk about it. Like, yeah, <laughs> where where should we start? Well, here's what I'll say. Actually, uh, I kind of like going through that game. Probably a quarter, a quarter and a half into that game, it was a very like uneventful. Felt kind of slow. The kind of game where I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to write about about this game. Um, I mean, UCF jumped out early, but not to like any crazy lead. It wasn't really until the second half that the floodgates opened. Uh, Temple's offense just could not get down the field with any kind of consistency, and they couldn't. They really couldn't finish drives. They can't. They couldn't finish drives, and then in the second half, they really couldn't even get across midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, two recipes for disaster for disaster problem. offensively. Huge, huge problem when that happens. That's what I both hear. They're, both not good things. No. Um, per sources, Tem- Temple continues to not play well in in first quarters. Um, if you were to tell me that their special teams would be the probably maybe potentially their best unit over the last couple of games, I would. You told me that you know four weeks ago. I think you were crazy. But right now, I feel like the special teams unit is is fine, or is at least. The, the least of their worries right now uh, earlier in the season, there was an argument to be made that, that was their biggest problem was they couldn't do anything on, they couldn't make plays on special teams. So to um, be fair, they're not yeah. on the field that much anymore. They're not kicking well, off a whole lot. Ex- exactly. So kick coverage isn't a thing. The returning kicks. Yeah. I would say, I would say that was really my biggest thing from the, from the UCF game was just the temple couldn't finish drives early that would have made that game competitive and then once UCF got out and running uh, on a scoreboard, there was really no catching up to it. Dante? I, for me, it was like, I, I think I tweeted this during the game. It's just like, 
it felt like Murphy's Law in action. It was just like everything that could go wrong for Temple went wrong in that game. Um, you know, they get an interception from Jalen Ware and he fumbles on the return. You know, he channeled his inner like LaShawn McCoy when he was like trying to run. He had the ball like way outside of his frame. Uh, he fumbled. I mean, that was like what, like plus 40 yards to UCS field position. Then they score right after that. And then after that, I mean, like, you know, the game just, you know, snowballed from there. And, you know, I wrote this in, in the instant analysis that we posted after the game. It's just like, they, this is a football team that like, they don't do anything well. Like they don't like there's no part of their game that is like, you know what? That's what Temple's really good at. You know, when they need a play, they're going to go to X, you know, when they need a stop, you know, this guy's going to come up big. And it's like, they have some dudes, they have some players who are capable, but it's just like, it doesn't show on the field ever. And like, that's, or at least not ever, but like the past three weeks specifically. And I, I would argue against Rutgers and Boston college. We saw a lot of that too. So like, I like I don't know what they do well. Like I really don't. They have the worst rushing offense in the conference. They have the worst rushing defense in the conference. Their passing defense is still second in the conference, but they played like two good quarterbacks this season and both of them threw the ball around the yard with no problems. And I understand that they had a lot of injuries this week. You're missing all three starting safeties. You're missing a starting corner. I understand those things, but you know, Mikey Keene doubled his touchdown input in one game. You know what I mean? He came into this game with five touchdown passes and he threw for five touchdowns. Like, I don't care who's out there. Like, you know, not great. Um, like, I like I don't know what they do well. They can't throw the ball. Dwan Mathis' completion percentage is dwindling every game. And that's really, you know, not great given that they run a ton of, like, scripted throws. Like, there's a ton of bubble screens and, like, really easy, you know, like, stop routes on the outside. Like, you know, it's not like they're asking Dwan to sit back there full field read and throw the ball um i like they don't do anything well so that that's that was my takeaway from this you know 49 to 7 uh debacle and, and like they're just not a well-coached team they don't do anything well they had a ton of penalties missed bad penalties too um you know not guys not getting lined up you know like easy stuff they're missing right like rod will sometimes talk about like combat penalties and we'll live with that they were not combat penalties they were like you know stupid stuff and and then you you fumble three times uh, you know, one of which in, at your own 13 yard line, you can't expect to beat good teams like that when you just shoot yourself in the foot constantly. So those are my big takeaways from the game. I, I just think that like, I like they have no juice. I think I've said this to John a couple of times, it's just like, they're just so like, everything just looks so scripted and like, they're just going through the motions constantly. And, and that's not going to win you football games. It's really not. Yeah. One more thing I want to add um, on Dante's point, Dante and I talked about this briefly at halftime of the game uh i think it was halftime of the game it was that there were two points in the first half that temple went for it on fourth down both of them were perfectly fine go for it on fourth down calls converted neither of them neither really had a chance um so their inability to convert on fourth down their inability to you know when they're getting the ball down the field and then they go for it and then they can't convert those those are drives that maybe that's a ball game if if they're able to they're able to finish off, off those drives so you just inability to execute. Uh, and then when things start to get out of hand, I think it was Anthony Russo said like two years ago, maybe 2019, I think he said, he said, when things get bad, they just get worse. And that's kind of where Temple football is at right now. You know who just hopped in on Zoom here? We spoke too soon. We said we were going to be without him this week. Matt Rule. But Graves. Uh, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Matt Rule is not with us on the scoop this week. but Vladimir Putin. <laughs> oh, God, no. Oh, my goodness. Imagine. 
Oof. What would be the craziest scoop guest we could ever, you could ever even. I mean, of? Vladimir Putin would certainly <laughs> be up there. Uh, but instead we have Kyle Gauss, Atlanta Braves super fan. Kyle, congratulations to, to you and yours. And, oh, thank uh, you. Just, just drinking in this, uh, this wing. You said that your voice was going to be shot. It sounds fine to me. I got cough drops. I juiced for this. I got cough drops going on. In reality, I, in reality, I had a four o'clock presentation I had to give, but your boy crushed it, killed it in 17 minutes, and now here I am. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Built different. Well, I mean, we were just uh, we were just talking about you know again how how poorly Temple played, how poorly they are playing. Dante mm-hmm. kind of just went through the 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 laundry list of stuff. The 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 slow starts. Uh, they're getting outscored 67 to seven in the in the first quarter. Is that stat still relevant though? Because I mean, it's back to back games when they weren't outscored in the first quarter, right? Wasn't it zero right. zero USF right. and then still, or, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, slow. They haven't, scored, they haven't scored a point in the first quarter in quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, none of Kyle's here. Again, we'll, we'll delve into this. And again, wanted to try to bring some more context to this. So after after the game on on Saturday, Rod Carey speaks. And then Dewan Mathis was one of the, the players who spoke. So, you know, um, he was asked, I think it was Javon Edmonds from our staff who had asked him, like, what, you, what you're seeing, can you check out of stuff? And he said, and I'm, his quote here is, yeah, but I don't have the luxury of checking. There are only certain plays where we got checks and certain plays we don't, which, again, and I wrote this in my story for context, that's, that's not uncommon. So, I, again, unless you're Peyton Manning playing at Tennessee – Back in the day, very few quarterbacks, if any, have carte blanche to just check out of whatever they want to check out of. And then I asked him, I followed up, I said, what, what's your relationship like in terms of being able to go to Rod Carey and Mike Uranovich to tell them about what you're seeing pre-snap and if, and if you can make changes? And he said, I don't, he started and he said, I mean, sometimes, but I don't really have that luxury. And I wrote, well, that's something that's a little different. So I thought, okay, that quote's kind of hanging out there a little bit. And again, Dwan Mathis was not one of the players. I, I don't think he was made available this week. And I, I think we've talked about this a million times when you're winning stuff like this doesn't matter when you're losing, you know, all sorts of stuff comes out in the wash. I, I, I don't think that he went into the post-game press conference trying to throw the coaches under the bus. I think there might've been a little, uh, I, and I'm definitely putting words in his mouth when I say this, I think there was a little bit of frustration and passive aggressiveness there. So I thought, okay, well, we'll ask Rod Carey about this Monday. So you go into his Monday press conference and he had already started talking about, you know, how, you know, how his relationship is with Dewan Mathis and with, you know, with Craig Landry as his quarterback's coach. And, you know, yeah, I might spend a little bit more time with a younger quarterback, but it's different people, different stuff. And so you would already kind of answered the question. But again, if, if, if I write about this, I'm not being fair if I don't give him a chance to, to comment on it. And you could tell, obviously, he was getting a little annoyed by the line of questioning. Again, human nature, fair enough. So when I asked him about, you know, if he could just provide some context on this, this is what Rod Carey said. You know, this isn't something that I'm going to play out like, okay, I want his comment on this question with this comment from him after you gain certain information from certain people. We talk all the time. I talk to Dewan every day. Mike talks to him every day. Jake does. Dewan talks to us every day. We are in communication. So, you know, as far as what you guys are, I don't know, asking as far as, well, he can he check out? Can he check out? Listen. Every offense has situations where you cannot check out 
and where you can. And we talk and we get his input and he gets our input all the time. So I don't know any how I can put that any clearer to this line of questioning than I don't know where it came up from or, or, or what happened, but that's what we do all the time. So is, is everyone understand that? I mean, there, there shouldn't be a gray area in that, right? All right. So again, you can tell everybody's a little frustrated here. It's fine. I, I don't, you know, take it personally. I, you know, again, we were, weren't trying to blow this out of proportion and, you know, and I don't, I don't think Rod Carey's lying. I think they communicate constantly, but again, when you're losing, you know, somebody could ask you a question you're like, well, you know, I, when he said, I don't, I don't have that luxury. I think it kind of like hangs things out there a little bit. So that's why I wanted to follow up with Rod. You know, we've written about this, we've talked about it. Um, you know, they have bigger fish to fry, but what, what did you guys, what'd you guys just make of this, this whole thing before we move along and talk about, you know, what's ahead for them against ECU? Yeah. I mean, it, it seemed like it was frustration on Dwan's part on Saturday. And it seems like it was definitely frustration on Rod Carey's part on Monday. Um, obviously I yeah, don't take it personally, but it's definitely a situation where I'm sure for as much as somebody claims that he's never on social media and he has no idea what the outside world's saying, Rod Carey is definitely aware a little bit of some of the criticisms going on out there. Um, he's, Otherwise, how would he be aware that this story kind of took legs a little bit over the last the two days in between the game and, and Monday? I think I don't think it's unreasonable for Dewan to be frustrated that, hey, if I see that they're overloading one side, I don't have that luxury of audibling out of it or even just changing the direction of the run or anything like that. But I think people kind of took that to become like, well, Rod Carey's never talking to Dewan Mathis and Dewan Mathis is never talking to Mikey Rembovich and and Jake Which Landry, yeah, that's not Jake Landry's out there drawing like stick figures. Like, no, that's not the case. Obviously, they're very clearly talking to each other. It's just that as of right now, the results aren't working for them. And I'm honestly, I'm, I'm also sure if you're Dewan, it, it probably doesn't feel great when granted it's against the, the third stringers. But two of the last three games, Justin Lynch came in in relief and looked like the offense looked smoother. It looked more like what you expected to do. I don't. They're going against completely different teams at that point, but I'm sure that doesn't help the situation. I think I said Craig Landry earlier. You did. I was going to let it go. As <laughs> Jake, sorry about that. My apologies. Dante, I, I, I kind of took away the same thing. I think, um, like when we uh, somebody asked him, like you know, can you make audibles at the line? He was just kind of like, no, I don't really have that luxury. I think. Um, a lot of people need to realize that that's something that most college quarterbacks don't have. Uh, there's plenty of NFL quarterbacks who don't get that luxury uh, at the line. Um, you typically see that from like some of the guys who are, you know, like the Dak Prescott's, Russell Wilson's, Patrick Mahomes's of the world. They don't typically give that to, you know, some of the younger players. So that one wasn't surprising. I, I think that there is possibly, a, I think there's, you know, they communicate. I, I think there's still a disconnect here. I, again, I think just like, the way that Mathis phrased it again, obviously he's very fresh, but like, I don't have that luxury. I mean, like, uh, I think, you know, John summed it up, right? Like that's a little passive aggressive. That's like, Hey, like, I, I think I can do more. I want to do more. They're not letting me do more. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, a fair frustration when you're getting blown out week after week to kind of, you know, say something like that. So um, I, I, I think that obviously it got a, maybe a little bit blown out of proportion. I think the Justin Lynch thing uh, where he talked about like, using Justin Lynch for 10 to 15 plays more a game because he brings a different running element. And we asked Dewan about that. I think John, you might've asked him about that in the presser. And he was just kind of like, yeah, like, I think I'm just as good as runner as Justin. Like, I honestly, I think that's more interesting than the, you know, talk about like audibles and communication. Cause like clearly 
you know, they talk all the time, like Kyle said. Um, so I, I think that's honestly more interesting and worth talking about than than the audible stuff, because I, I think that's part for the course. Yeah, I think Javon might have asked him about that. And then his, you know, uh, his his response, uh, you know, like, no, or maybe Sam, you did right. Maybe Sam, you asked him, did you ask him about it? you said, yeah, to be clear, you know, your head coach said there's no there's no quarterback controversy here. But how do you feel about this? You know, like him maybe potentially getting 10 or 15 plays. And yeah, and his quote was, if I'm being honest, I can run the ball just as well as Justin. So I really don't know, honestly, whatever he's doing, uh, whether he's doing that to take hits off of me, which is what Rod Carey said on Monday. So again, part of this was the head coach speaks, then the players speak, head coach speaks again on Monday. And so Rod Carey did say, yes, we are doing it to take some hits off of him, which makes sense. So he said, whether he's doing that to take hits off me, I don't know. I haven't talked to coach Carey about it yet. I can talk to him and see what he says. And that's about, you know, about what they, you know, that's what happens. So, um, but he did. Yeah. Again, I think there was a little bit of a tone there. Hey, if I'm being honest with you, I think I'm just as good a runner as, as Justin. So again, I think that there's a little bit of frustration there uh, to, uh, today uh, recording this on Wednesday. There was player availability, Javon, was there for us and Rayvon Bonner uh, was one of the players who spoke and um, he was asked about the different running styles he sees, uh, the differences between Dewan Mathis and Justin Lynch. Uh, Rayvon Bonner had some high praise here for, for Justin Lynch. So here's the comparison that he made. Justin, he's more of a, I mean, he, he, I mean, he play he plays like a, Josh Allen, you know, like he's, he's the type of quarterback that's just like mean and nasty. Not to say like that the one's not, but it's just um, there too. Um, there, I mean, they're two completely different type of guys. Um, but I'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and say like, oh, like I would like one over the other. It's not that sort of thing. But they, they both bring something different to the table. So again, he he said he's he's got a running style that's similar to to Josh Allen's. He's mean, he's nasty. Not to say that Dwan's not, but so I mean, at the end of the day, the staff and this team they're just trying different things, trying to get themselves out of this rut, and nothing's working. Again, they're they're three and five, four games left to go. They have to win three out of these last four games just to be bowl eligible to be six and six, not that you can be bowl eligible and still not go to a bowl game. So uh, actually looking like it might be the other way this year. It's looking like there might not be enough bowl eligible teams and then a five, seven team would do it. Yeah. So I I don't, I'm not painting the picture that Tumble is going to get in there at five and seven, but it's possible. Right. Right. And again, and we've talked about, you know, how you get there is, is, is just as important. Well, we'll, we'll throw things over to Dante here, who again, handles the preview for us every week. So they're, they're playing a four and four ECU team on the road, but again, there there are there are no such things for Temple anymore as a gimme game, a get right game. They're just simply not playing well enough by any stretch of the imagination for us to be using using those terms. But you know, here's a team with a a quarterback in Holton Naylor's who's been there for 25 years. It seems I know that's a, a you know a common joke when you there are certain you know players. Who his dad that, is. I don't know who's that is. His dad's the PA announcer for East. Oh, East that's Carolina. right. That's right. I did know that. I forgot about that. Yes. So um, he's the Perry Ellis of, uh, of ECU football. Does Perry uh, have a four-star quarterback son? <laughs> no, but just, you know, people used to make that joke about him being a kid. Oh, for long. yeah. 
And um, they, uh, I always think when people, I, when people think that I always think Robbie Hummel, like yeah, he was Robbie at Purdue Hummel, forever. <laughs> yes. Um, but again, this is a four and four ECU team. Uh, Dante, we were, we were talking before we recorded, you think they're better than their record would indicate again, they're favored in this game. Not that I thought Temple would be favored in this game, but what, what can you tell us about the the East Carolina Pirates? Yeah, they're way better than I expected them to be. Uh, they don't look like great on paper, right? They look like a very average team on paper. You look at where they rank in things like points per game and yards per game, and their record obviously is incredibly average. Uh, but individually, especially on offense, uh, they're good. Uh, they, they have several future NFL players on that offense. Both of their freshman running backs are wildly impressive. Uh, the one they kind of have one guy who's, who's a speed back. He's very shifty in the open field. Uh, then they have someone who's, who's more of a power back uh, type guy. I mean, I, that worries me, obviously, given the way the Temple's run defense has played this year. Um, Keaton Mitchell is the freshman. I, I was blanking on his name. He's got 756 yards this year. He went for over 200 yards against Tulane, a couple touchdowns in that game. Like he's legit. He's really good couple receivers who I think are going to be fringe NFL guys are like CJ Johnson, Tyler Sneed. I think they have some pretty good ability and like, we can joke about Holt Naylor's being there forever. He's having the best season of his career this year. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's, you know, I, I think that he's taken a bit of a jump now. Is he like really good or anything? No, but I think he's better than he's been. Um, and, and I think this ECU team can give Temple some trouble, especially on offense. I don't think their defense has quite the same amount of juice, but offensively, I think ECU is way, way better than I was expecting. I was watching some of their games back. Like they're pretty good. They can, they can attack at all three levels of the field. Uh, they're well-balanced. Ailers can run the ball too. He's not just a thrower. He can scramble and make plays out of structure. Uh, they're going to be tough. I, I really think that this is a, a harder game than people think it's going to be because ECU has been a bit of a AAC punching bag for a couple of years, but I, I think they're solid. I, I really do. I think they, they could be a bowl team, honestly, in the conference. That was a 16-point dog in this game. People think this is going to be a gimme game. They're a two-touchdown favorite. You see, oh, no, I'm just, I'm just saying there, I, I think, there's, no such, I think, there's no such thing for them. No, I agree. I think people just have like this perception of ECU as like a team that isn't good because they have struggled the past couple of years, which I get, but like, like they're good. Like I think this is a solid football team. So yeah, they set their program back when they fired Ruffin McNeil because they thought they could get Lincoln Riley to come back. And then Lincoln Riley said, You just fired my mentor. I'm not coming. Like, why would I come back to East Carolina? Plus, you know, I'm going to Oklahoma. Um, they're Mike Houston's a hell of a coach. Like this team is benefited a lot from the COVID year. The two freshmen running backs you just mentioned are like super freshmen. They played a lot last year. They're still technically freshmen. They know how to play. I, I don't even, I don't particularly think this one's going to be close, to be honest. I think this is a a game that is probably going to get out of hand. Temple, historically, I don't think plays super well in there. It's, it's an interesting stadium. Uh, it can get humid. I think it's supposed to rain on Saturday, so that would take rid of the humidity. But good fan base, good student base. Going up against former Temple star Aaron Jarman, who plays for East Carolina now. I I'm not feeling great about this one if you're a Temple fan. Well, that'll let us uh, segue as Kyle has so beautifully done for us into predictions. Would it give us uh, just a little shimmy with his shoulders there? Kyle, I also like what you're doing with your hair. It looks a little different. looks good. Thanks. It's probably hat hair. But <laughs> <laughs> we have a little cloth going. Yeah, I got some, some Yeah, it looks, some looks, looks solid. looks solid. It's like a little, little, little biff in the front or something. Who do like I got to impress? <laughs> Your, your wife, your son. That's what she said. But I want to impress my son. I don't want to look she good do. for my son. Jordan's out here. I 
I wiped the kid's ass. Okay. He shouldn't have to like, I shouldn't have to impress him. He's still wearing diapers. <laughs> you don't know what he's thinking. Jordan should be coming home soon. Actually he had daycare and then his grandparents should be dropping him off soon. So does Jordan have nice hair? He does. Uh, he's got, he's got the baby mullet. So like babies always have like the re- recessed hairline and then like a little bit of like oh, flow, nice. like some lettuce. And yeah. he's getting, he's getting that. So it's thin though. It's very blonde. Gotcha. By the time do you, know, like do you not know what my son looks like, Sam? Correct, because I've not met your son in wow. person. Wow. And I think the only picture I've seen is uh, your profile picture on Twitter. Wow. Aren't we social media friends? <laughs> anyway, yes. I am not feeling Don't great about the this. Al-Scoop barbecue. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> I am not feeling great about this. Um, I, I completely agree with what Dante said. I think ECU's defense is whatever, but their offense scares me a bit. Um, to be honest, it's less about the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and Joe's for me in this situation. It's kind of just like a feeling like it feels like this thing's going down the toilet. So I, until I see that temple has bounced back and is willing to put three straight, terrible losses behind them and kind of rally and try to make a thing. I'm not going to believe it until I see it. I think there are some valid excuses. I think temple is pretty banged up, especially in its safety position. Like, you were rolling out a walk-on from Robert Morris and a true freshman at safety for at times against USF. I don't think it's an excuse. I think that you should, or so UCF. Uh, I think that especially against USF, you are the more talented team. You should have won that game. And instead you crumbled. I think the same thing happens on Saturday. I think ECU wins this game 41 to 17. Mm. Mm. Dante. Uh, yeah, I, I got I got ECU as well. I'm going to take 30 to 13. I don't think they quite get 42, but I, I think it's a, a two-score win at least. I have 31-13 in my mind. Very close. Go ahead, Sam. I'm going to take 35 to uh, – I was thinking seven originally, but I'll give, I'll give Temple 10. 35-10, ECU wins. Uh, two of the last three games, Temple has needed a garbage time score. Or, or, sorry, Cincinnati was needed a 56-yard field goal and then against UCF, a garbage-time score to prevent being shut out for the first time since 2006. That's happened wow. twice in three games that they've almost got a shot. And even USF, they like they're, things are crumbling. Mm-hmm. 2006 oh. was like awful, awful football. <laughs> that was they were the last years of them being independent. They were like, getting smacked by Bowling Green 70 to nothing. And this year's football team is flirting with that. Yeah, it, it, it just has that feel. Like, I, I felt on Saturday like I was covering a game at Franklin Field in the days when they were, you know, slogging their way through the Big East. And um, it's just obviously not not very good right now. And I, I just don't know how these guys get things turned around. Like you said, it's a – I mean, it's, I mean, more than a feeling. Great Boston song. But, I mean, we – There we go. Kyle's singing. Good. About that. It was good. Very good. Uh, but look, I mean, obviously anybody can see they're not playing well right now, but I just don't, I don't see anything that could tangibly tell you that they're on the verge of, of getting this turned around. Well, let's talk basketball for a little bit. We'll, we'll go to the mailbag for this because the mailbag cues up some basketball talk. We'll take a quick diversion from our break. I guess I should say from football. Then we'll go back to these, uh, mailbag questions for football. There's even a question here about soup. So that's a little off topic, of course, but it is, um, the, is the definition of soup season right now. I've had soup two of the last three days. Love soup. Phenomenal. Did love I not say that before we started recording? Did I not say that? Yeah. Soup season. Yeah. Soup season and sad songs. Soup season, sad songs. That's fall. That's what fall is to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So this will make Sam Cohen happy. We'll, we'll talk a little hoops. We got media day coming up on Friday. We know that, again, scrimmages are not open uh, to the public. We're not open to anybody other than the people who are involved in these programs. But, you know, we're told that they scrimmaged well against Georgetown. They scrimmaged well against Seton Hall. I think the word that we've gotten from a few people is that they were up six or seven points, something like that, when they kind of went to their bench. Uh not expecting Georgetown to be a terrific team this year. Seton Hall is a different, you know, uh, different matter there. They're, they're supposed to be pretty good. So I, I think Kyle, you might've said this, we weren't talking about this on the podcast, but you know, Temple goes five and 11 last year. And had they played a fuller schedule, you, you, you probably think that maybe they get a few more non-conference wins. And if they win 10, 11 or 12 games, as opposed to five, no, that doesn't really satisfy this fan base, but it gives you a little bit more to look at and say, okay, there's more room for growth there, but they've scrimmaged well in a couple of games here. So we've got media day for basketball coming up Friday. So we'll have some, some coverage there and some more basketball content in the weeks to come on the podcast, but we'll, we'll start talking, you know, some, some basketball here in the mailbag because the season does start next week against uh, Maryland Eastern Shore. The first mailbag question here to get us uh, started is from Devin 4 is the screen name uh, from the Alscoop.com message board, the basketball board. Question is, uh, one week away, how about some season predictions? Leading scorer, leading rebounder, top bench player, and over under at 17 wins. So let's go around the horn here. Who do you think the leading scorer is going to be here? Sam, we'll start with you. I think the leading score is going to be Caleb Battle. Last season, it was Dame Dunn for two-thirds of the season, if not more. Um, Caleb Battle obviously dealt with a hamstring injury early, came back in that 32-point outing against South Florida late in the season, really kind of, like, pushed him. So over the edge, in terms of, like, the average leading score, it was only by, I think, a point, point and a half for last season. So uh, if we're just starting with leading score, I'll take Caleb Battle. Kyle? Oh, we're doing this piece by piece. Um, just to not all have the same one, I will go with Dame Dunn. I think it's one of those two. I think they're both high volume um, or high usage guards. I'll go with Damian Dunn. Dante? Yeah, mine was going to be battle. Um, when I would have picked Dunn as well if I went second, but tis the life of going third, I guess. Um, I'll go with Kaleth Battle too. And I mean, obviously, we just need to take more of a look at his shot selection, his ball handling. Uh, we know he can shoot the ball. We know he can score in bunches, but uh, I'm sure that he'll talk at length about how he's worked on his ball handling and stuff like that. Um, leading rebounder. This one will be, and, and we've, we've been told again that they've rebounded. I think they, they rebound a little bit better in the Seton Hall scrimmage, but rebounding is going to be a big thing. They have not done it well over the past few seasons. And we've talked at length about how, you know, teams like Houston in this conference, like Cincinnati seem to get to more loose balls, tip balls out after misses and stuff like that. Who's going to be the leading rebounder on this team? And a, a you know, again, it sounds like a, such an obvious thing to say it's every statistical category is important, but for Temple being a better rebounding team would be huge for them. Sam leading rebounder this year. Last year, it was Jake Forrester by 17 rebounds. I have no reason to believe why he wouldn't have that again. The next two guys are not on the team anymore. And after that was Caleb Battle, mm -hmm. uh, who came in and rebounded really well off the bat when he wasn't mm -hmm. shooting the ball well. So, like, when I first saw that, my inclination was, like, my dark horse is Caleb Battle. But I have no reason to believe that Jake For it wouldn't be Jake Forrester again. Kyle? I was going to say Caleb Bell just to be different, but no, I agree. I mean, I think it's the same thing. I think he's a good rebounder for his size and for being a guard. Um, but I, I honestly, I'm higher on Jake Forrester than I think most people are. I think a lot of college basketball programs would be okay with a 10 and seven guy as their center. And I think that's um, for everything you're hearing 
Jake Forrester. Jake Forrester had a much better junior year than his sophomore year. His rebounding total, his rebounding went up a lot. His field goal percentage stayed the same. Became a much better free throw free throw shooter. Scoring went up. I think he's going to continue taking that step. I think he's a 10, 11 point guy and a seven eight rebound guy. So I'll say Jake Forrester. Dante? He needs to he needs to stay on the floor though. But right. Yeah. Uh, just to be different, I'll go with Emmanuel Okpolo. Uh, we'll see how much he plays, but like that, that's like kind of his thing. I don't know if he's going to play a lot, but I feel like three Jake Foresters in a row is no fun. So I think Sage Tolbert has a chance. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I think honestly, not to get too far off, it'll be interesting just to see how that big man rotation looks because Sage mm-hmm. Tolbert, Jake Forrester, Nick Jordan still in on that. Is Emmanuel Okpomo able to carve up enough roles as a defensive guy? Like, I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, for the, first time, for, for the first time under McKee, it feels like they have like four guys that they can kind of like roll out there in the front court. Yeah, I'm curious to see if, if Emmanuel Okpomo's game, offensive game, is not kind of what it needs to be or where it should be. I mean, he came in as advertised as being the kind of guy who's going to come in and defend and get rebounds. Uh, I'm curious as to where his offensive game is and where the line of like he's going to see real minutes or he's just going to see some like complimentary minutes if his off kind of depending on where his offensive game is at relative to uh you know is he a liability offensively or is he good enough that his defense kind of makes up for it john what do you got i'll take jimmy fennerty at his word as he told us uh, a couple of weeks ago here on the scoop that he said that jake might have had the the best off with anybody no i'm not taking jimmy as the leading rebounder what's that oh. <laughs> i said i said who do you got for the leading rebounder you said i'll take jimmy fennerty i said i'll take jimmy fennerty at his word no, no, no. I know. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, maybe it will be Jimmy Fennerty. You don't know that. Well, all I'm saying is if somebody transcribed this and they used Otter, they would think that you chose Jimmy Fennerty as the leading rebounder. Right, right. No, well, I again, to clarify, we will take Jimmy Fennerty, assistant basketball coach Jimmy Fennerty, at his word. He said, uh, if you guys remember a few weeks ago, he said on here on The Scoop that, that Jake Forrest just had a good offseason. And uh, we'll, we'll see how often he's on the floor at the same time with Emmanuel Okpomo. I mean, if, if, if Emmanuel Okpomo is the leading rebounder for the team this year, then I think that's a great thing for Temple. It means he's on the floor a lot. He's affecting the game a lot. And um, that would be something. I, I think it'll be Jake, uh, top bench player. I think this one is, is interesting. It's going a couple different directions here, Sam. I think the, the four spot in the starting rotation is up for grabs. I think my inclination is day one, it's Nick Jordan. So if, if I'm to, if if we're under the assumption that it's Nick Jordan or if that's the starting five, if it's Jeremiah, Caleb, Dame, Nick Jordan, and Jake Forster, then I'm taking Jaleel White. If by midway through the season Jaleel White takes that, I think that Nick Jordan is probably your best player off the bench. Uh, I don't want to take too many names, but you know the, I, that's how I kind of that's that's kind of how I look at it. Is this, is if Nick Jordan is the starter for a legitimate portion of the season at the four, and I of course I don't know this for sure. Anything can happen between now and. Um, their game against Maryland Eastern Shore. But if Nick Jordan's a starter, I would think it's Jaleel. If Jaleel becomes a starter earlier in the season, I would think it's Nick Jordan. Uh, echoing that, uh, I think from what I'm hearing is that the leash for players that don't want to play defense is pretty short this year and that they're going to the bench a lot whenever there's a situation where someone might be lax, lax, lackadaisical there, which I think since Jaleel will tell you that he has the ability to guard one through five would lend him to have the opportunity to play a lot of minutes. Um, I don't think this is, I don't think this is going to be the, the best guy off the bench, but I do think that Zach Hicks is going to carve out a pretty significant role. I think this team definitely still needs somebody that can shoot and that can actually get a bucket at will. Uh, Caleb Battle is a volume guy, hasn't has necessarily shown the efficiency thing yet. You're still waiting for Quincy Adam to take that step to kind of be that knockdown three. I think that Zach Hicks has the ability 
and the opportunity to carve out a pretty big role off the bench. Dante? All that, all that being said, I bet you he plays like two minutes in the opener after all this. <laughs> <laughs> you guys took all the names. Uh, I don't know. I, I think we're going to go with Jaleel White. I mean, like, I do not, like, um, I don't cover the basketball team as closely as Sam, but, like, in my limited time so far this year, I mean, everyone's just like, Jaleel White's that dude. So I'm going to take Jaleel White. You have not said the name that Sam thinks is the first card off the bench. Ty Strickland? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, that'll be interesting too, you know, and we talked about that last week, right? You know, how much of what happened last year is a shortened season where Ty was coming off shoulder surgery, couldn't play as well. Again, I mean, that'll, that'll make things really interesting. If Ty Strickland is playing really well, do you, do you redshirt Heisier Miller? I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll find out, you know, we'll find out more. Uh, not that these decisions are made right away, but we'll find out more Friday. Certainly find out more next week. I wonder if Heisier Miller will just be too good to keep off the floor. But if, if Ty Strickland really is playing better, then that's a, a, a good problem to have. Of course, the thing that the fans will pay close attention to is if, if you're constantly playing Ty and you're losing, the fan cry will be, why are we not seeing Heisier Miller? Why are we not seeing Heisier Miller? That like, And that's that's fair. You know, we're, we're getting way out of ourselves. But I, I think overall they have a much better, much more talented, a much more versatile roster this year. Can they close out games down the stretch? That'll be the thing. I, I think – I agree with you guys. I think we've heard a little too much about – about Jaleel White uh, over the past year uh, to think that he won't be the top bench player. But again, they could have some options. You know, if, if Zach Hicks can shoot the hell out of the ball, he's going to be hard to keep off the floor. I, I think this is a, an interesting over-under total here. I mean, it probably makes sense. Over-under at 17 wins. You, you taking the over or the under on this, Sam? I think it's a fantastic number. Uh, B. Devin, four. Great, great work. Um, I'm going to take the over, but like – I'm going to take the over, but if, if it's over, it's like no more than 19. Like, I think 19 is probably like kind of where I'd see. I mean, if this, if this team comes out and is like really, really like, I think I like, I don't know how to word this. The, the best version of this temple team is a 20 win team, the best version, but they're a young team. They're going to make mistakes. They're not going to be able to close out every single game. I mean, you know, we talked about one, I think it was last week's pod that there were five, six games that were like, two or three possessions or less. They just couldn't close out by the end. Uh, and a lot of those came in a row in conference play. They're not going to close out every single one of those games this year. But if they take the step in the right direction, it cuts, it, you know, it gives them a couple in the wins column. So I think that, again, the best version of this team is a 20-win team. I think 17 is a fantastic number. I think they're over, but it's 18, maybe 19 wins. Wow. I went to CVS this morning. They printed out a thing that told me you can prevent teen cough syrup abuse. And then I had to, I had to get somebody to come over and flag me. I'm a 32 year old man. I should be able to just like enter a driver's license and not have to wait for a cashier to come over and say, yes, you can buy Dayquil. Um, what does that do? <laughs> I thought you were going to make some number number. Hey, they added seven games to this team, to this schedule that are basically gimme win games if you had added those to last year this way that would have been a 12 win team so the question becomes can they get five more wins out of their like regular schedule than you did last year i agree with sam as a young team um the good thing is if jake forrester comes back they lose nobody necessarily of like in, that's in the rotation the following year so this might be a year that sets up for 2022 2023 honestly my gut tells me right now that this team wins 18 games 
I like 18 and 12 is or 18 and 13 is kind of like the number I have stuck in my head that I keep coming back to. Yeah. Uh, I think the conference outside of Houston and Memphis is a little bit lower than it was. Um, I think like UCF this year is not nearly as good on paper. So I think there's going to be an opportunity for Temple to be in that five, six, seven range of the American, which historically is an 18, 19, 21 team. So I will say 18 and 13, I will take the over. Dante, 18 you- years old is how you have, old you have to be to buy cough syrup. 18 wins is how many I'm predicting. Brought it all together. <laughs> <laughs> Dante, how do you top that? Oh, I don't think I can top that. What the heck? Um, go, the, the, the C- go big. I know, right? Like, yeah, but the CVS on, on Temple's campus is like they've locked everything up. Well, I read that article in the Temple News that people are just like running buck wild in there and stealing things. Yeah. No, it's but, it's, uh, it's it's like the wild wild west there. Somebody um, had a quote like, "Oh no, they uh, alarm goes off every or I have to get somebody to unlock all these things." That's a lot of like convenience stores. Like there's there's uh, pharmacies in Downingtown where every time you open up the, the deodorant t- section, it's like wah, wah, like because people are just stealing degrees. So like, razor blades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I am the the usually the pessimist here so i'm gonna go with the under but i think it's like under by like a game or two like this is like a 15 or 16 win team um i'll be honest i thought this was a record prediction i had 17 in my head so like you guys said at the top of the uh discussion great number so really good question but i'll be the pessimist here i'll say like slightly under admit over admit over 18 wins if they, uh, if they win like 14 games and there are there are questions to be to be had sure yeah, yeah. i would agree uh, next several questions here are either football related or off topic. Um, next question here from the message board comes from Rockland. Al uh, gets right to it here. When will Rod Carey be dismissed as Temple's head coach? What is the cost uh, of his buyout? Um, when will Rod Carey be dismissed as Temple's head coach? I know a lot of people are wondering about that. Again, they're three and five. This is not getting better. We know that this is not the the end of his, his contract. If, if they do make a change, there would be a buyout, which is part of this question. Uh, Dante, we'll start with you. Does Rod Carey last beyond this season? Uh, I'm every week. My answer becomes closer to no, (laughs) I think is where I'm at with it. Uh, like I was like at the beginning of the season, you know, when they lost to Rutgers and they had the, the blowout loss to Boston college, we were all like, yeah, no, it doesn't matter. Like he's not going anywhere. Uh, but things are getting way worse than I thought they would get. Like, I, I didn't think this was a good football team at any point, uh, if I'm being honest, but I didn't think that they were this bad either. And I think with every blowout loss, you know, if you go into ECU and they can't, you know, even compete in that game and we all predicted that they would lose by two plus scores, like does Rod make it to the next game after that? I don't like, I don't know. Like, I, I think that this is going to be a more proactive administration with Arthur Johnson and Jason Wingard. I don't know how much that they're going to, and again, this is just me like projecting, like I have not spoken to them about this. I don't have any information about that. Like I, I just have a feeling that they're going to be a little bit more proactive, which not a high bar from the last guys that were here. So um, I don't know. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's a, it a little jazz. Dante coming in hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't like, Every loss, it, it gets more increasingly, increasingly, you know, probable that I don't think he's going to be back next year. If they get blown out by ECU, I don't know if he makes it out of that week. I'm going to be honest. Like, I, I really don't. I, I think that they, you know, you have to kind of realize that this is spiraling and, you know, you kind of have to sit down and be like, all right, you know, if we just do this now, or maybe you make an announcement that he's not going to come back at the end of the year and you let him coach out the last, the last three games. I don't know if, how that would work. That's something college programs do sometimes. So, 
I don't know. I, I was like, I think I said I was like 50 50 last week. I'm like 70 30 this week. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's very much trending in that direction for me. Kyle. First of all, Rock Linnell doesn't even ask you to dance. Just goes in for the kiss. Just right away. When's Rock Carey going to be fired? Steal, uh, stealing uh, Al Golden's line. It's not stealing. It's an illusion. It's a reference to Al Golden. Hi. Right. Um, Rock, yeah, yeah. To go off, I think we actually get asked this later on percentage wise. I will say I went from two weeks ago, 25% to last week, like 60% to after kind of talking to some people this week, I'm pretty high up there. Um, I think if they go out and they win at East Carolina and they get to four and four, you still have Tulsa and Navy, then, okay. Then maybe things, maybe things can kind of be, the ship can be righted here. Uh, instead, I just think if they lose this week, then you're playing a pretty good Houston team, which maybe in the beginning of the year, you thought they had a chance against Houston's now a top 25 team. Uh, looks like there's a reason they're going to the big 12 and Temple hasn't exactly played well against programs that are going to the big 12 this year. So I I'm split because like everything in my mind tells me like, well, Temple's going to temple this and Temple doesn't fire coaches midseason. Like they don't like they haven't, they don't, but it's a new administration. Um, I think you're starting to see so much smoke that you have to eventually think that there's that there is a fire there. I would say I'm, I'm thinking if it's either going to be next week or it's going to be in the off season or it's going to be two years from now. Like I, I don't think there's going to be a situation where it's like a week to go and they fire. I think if you're going to do it mid season, you do it like after this game. Sam. Yeah. I thought they both uh, Kyle and Dante summed it up. Well, there's a question later um, that says that Dante and I were skeptical on last week's pod. I think to amend, I guess, like our skepticism, it's not that Temple is losing. It's how bad they're losing and how there is a negative sign of improvement. It's not even like they're losing really bad, but, but, but this, but that. No, it, it is progressively getting worse and worse and worse. And to go back to the outset of the show, talking about Dewan Mathis, not to say that they're like anything is going on or whatever, uncovering skeletons, because I don't think that's true. But just to kind of have, if that is a little bit of passive aggressiveness or like Rod Carey's frustration on Monday, I, I think just the fact that things are getting so progressively worse uh, and there's just no sign of any kind of light at the end of the tunnel of things getting better, that I would uh, I would agree with what Kyle and Dante said, that maybe maybe it happens in a week or two. Maybe it's a bot. Maybe it's the end of the season. Um, but it's, it's, I, I don't think I'm crazy to say it's a matter of when and not if that's what it feels like at this point, at least. Yeah. I don't know that I can add much else other than what you guys have said. Like, just like Dante said, I I haven't, you know, I don't think anybody here has talked to Jason Wingard or Arthur Johnson about their thought process here. But again, if, if, if we're talking old leadership here, if there wasn't a change in leadership, I think Rod Carey's job is safe because there's a new president, because there is a new athletic director. I do not think his job is safe. And I think you would have to see some tangible progress, a tangible shift in the opposite direction where they go down to East Carolina, they run the ball. Well, you see signs of life from that offensive line. Um, yeah. I was talking to, to Adam Delmichael about this with the other podcasts we do. And I, I do think that the team is still playing hard, but I think Kyle's pointed this out. I think you guys have pointed out as well when things start to go poorly you know, I, it is it's a harsh assessment to make. It's an easy thing for fans to say, but like it just starts coming undone. They look like they quit. And uh, so I think with with new administration at Temple, I would be surprised if Rod Carey, if things keep going in this direction, I'd be surprised if he's here next season. The, the follow-up question here is, 
what is the cost of his buyout? Um, we've heard, I, I don't know. We, it's a, it's a percentage of, of his remaining salary. You know, I've heard 60, 70%, something in that, in that, uh, in that realm. I have not seen his contract. We have not seen his contract, but there is a buyout involved. But again, th this will come down to a higher leadership thing. Will Temple do a cost benefit analysis here to say, yes, there's a buyout involved. We don't have intimate knowledge of Temple's line item budget and athletics overall, but you know, is it going to be worth it more to bite the bullet on a buyout now uh, for, for long-term gain in terms of hiring a new coach? Uh, we'll see. Uh, but again, we get it. It's on fans' minds. They're not playing well. Uh, more on that later. Uh, shifting gears here for just a second. JHG722 asks us, what is your favorite soup? Who wants to take this first? I have my mind's an easy one. Kyle, Kyle looks like he's, he's passionate about talking about soup. Is chili a soup? You no. know what, Kyle? I, I don't think wait, so. Wait, time out. Kyle, I was going to ask the same Excuse question, me, Sam. but I didn't. I didn't want to look like an idiot, so I just Googled it because I didn't want to. I didn't want to. Just well, let, let's myself. break down what what constitutes a soup. It There's is, a broth. It is it is considered a stew because it is usually does not have broth or stock. Mm. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, because it doesn't. It's not actual broth. You you kind of create a broth though. Wait, that that's what I thought. I was going to try to go for the obscure chili answer. I'm glad we were on the same page here. I would have gone with like a chili with like a, like a spicy like turkey chili, but since we're apparently eliminating chili. Um, I'm going to go with Kyle, Kyle, don't let me put you in a box here. I've had, I've had, I so I've had some good soups lately. Um, <laughs> so I've had some good soups lately. I like to spice up my soups. So I've been putting like jalapenos in my soups. Um, like I really just, I enjoy like the spice aspect of it, but I, I think I'm still going to go with like an Italian wedding soup. I like like the meatballs in it and things like that. Uh, John kind of bastardizes them a little bit by putting way too much like Parmesan cheese in it. I don't put cheese in my Italian wedding soup, but I will say Italian wedding soup. I will say chili, but then since we're getting pushed back, I will say Italian wedding soup. That is true. I do, I do put cheese, grated Parmesan cheese on my Italian wedding soup. I love Italian wedding soup. My my mom's mom made incredible Italian wedding soup. I love it. My favorite soup is the chicken pastina soup from Johnny's at Twelfth and Wolf. Uh, it was near near the old place at uh, eleven. That place caught on fire. I called you while I was on fire, and you ignored button me. I was like, where, I was like, there's a fire like half a block from your house, but cool, man. Like, let's, let's ignore. I think you were on like a date or something. I was like calling you for like a legitimate. I was, like, I was on a, I was on a date. Um, but you're right. No, I, I love Johnny's. It's, it's a great. I don't want to call it an undiscovered gem because I'm sure a lot of people in, in South Philly know about it. But I, their chicken pastina soup is, is, is perfect. I, I love it. But I do like uh, Italian wedding soup. Uh, I, I, I will say this one more soup. I had a good. Um, a good vegan uh, mushroom soup at Kettle in Havertown. It was very good. So it was dairy-free, good stuff, but nothing compares to, to Johnny's chicken pastina soup. I don't think most soups are vegan as long as they don't have a, a meat. Because like, what else yeah. are you putting into it? Like most soups don't have dairy. Uh, well, no, I mean, you could have a cream of potato, cream of mushroom, like seafood. Yeah, it's fair, it's fair. Oh my God, is bisque? I didn't even consider like lobster bisque. Yeah, that's a soup. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go lobster bisque. I'm going lobster bisque. Lobster bisque is phenomenal. Lobster bisque. Sam, Dante? So Kyle had mentioned earlier the, I forget, if, I think he said it while we were recording, that uh, soup is a fall thing. 
It's a uh, soup is very, very yeah. much a, a fall food. So I have a fall answer and a non-fall answer. My non-fall answer is clam chowder in the summer, like down the Cape is fantastic. Yeah, you, you have no choice. If you say anything other than a chowder, you're, you're a fraud. Is oh, I, I thought you were going to say like Boston was going to revolt against some like like we have a big like Southie listening conference. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, well, well, we'll uh, we'll go into Podbean. We'll look at the analytics. You don't know that maybe, maybe uh, maybe we I do. I think there's still two states that we're waiting on to listen to. Them. The One of them's like North Dakota. Nobody from North Dakota's ever listened to the scoop. <laughs> anyway, uh, my non-fall answer is clam chowder, and my fall answer is uh, tomato bisque, mm. like with a grilled cheese. Yes. Yeah, there's a what's it called? Dante, what's it called? Cozy um, oh. on Temple's campus has really good time, out, time, out, time, out, time, out, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. You can't say cozy as if that's like a temple thing. That is a chain. <laughs> that's like you being like, uh, what's the place? Uh, uh, Panera uh, bread, Panera yeah. bread. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 think, well, I don't have cozy near me. So it's the only cozy I've been to is one on Temple's campus then. Um, not to say that chain restaurants have amazing soup, but, and I'm not the craziest soup person, but tomato bisque, that's the most recent place I've had in that. And I am like significantly less passionate about soup than you guys. I like, um, I'm going to go with minestrone as my favorite soup. Uh, there's like this pizza place that I live really, really close to, and they have really good minestrone soup. I don't really eat soup that much. I'm going to be honest. Like I've never sat down one day and been like, I want soup. Like if it, if it like comes with a meal, really? I'll eat it. Mm. Yeah. But I have never been like, I want soup for a meal. If it comes with a meal, I'll eat it. But I, I like, I would never eat soup as a meal. So like, it's I will fun. Say, like I don't dislike soup. If it's, you ever, you know, you get a little older and your metabolism starts to crap out and you start to gain weight. Soup diet's a fantastic that's a, diet. That's a famous thing for it's a fantastic. I, I've done it so many times in my life. You just only eat soup. Like not only, but like, that's like your main thing because then you realize you're like, wait a minute, I just had like a full lunch and it was like 220 calories. I like keep a lot of sodium though. soup that, yeah then you gotta you got drink a shit ton of water to like to counteract <laughs> all the sodium otherwise you're gonna get like bloated but it works it 100 works uh did we just turn this into a soup podcast maybe we did soup, the soup guys um, <laughs> favorite dessert soup. soup ice cream soup does that count as soup once the ice cream melts no i think so best type of ice cream um, soups the the mint chocolate chip ones because then you still got the little flakes of uh of chocolate the soup, <laughs> the soup brought to you by owlscoop.com owl soup owl soup uh um next question here what was the um, joke i used to make where it, was, it wasn't owl scoop it was owl's coop it was like somebody's like oh sorry i went to your website i was trying to buy a coop for my owl oh, gosh <laughs> sorry it's like common mistake <laughs> Well, you classic, want is Al Coop. <laughs> classic, classic mix-up. Uh, SoCal Al from the message board asked this question. With, with the expansion on the horizon, what, if any, impact, I guess he's saying, will that have with recruiting, particularly football? Does the expansion make the AAC a more television-attractive package? The answer to the second question, no. Um, I think losing, losing, losing Houston, use, uh, losing UCF, and um, – and losing, who else are they losing? Houston, UCF, and Cincy. Cincinnati. Right. Um, no, I mean, you know, ESPN could come back to them and say, hey, we want to negotiate down on this. Still more money, again, uh, to, than, than you'd get by um, having to schedule your way into money as an independent or going to the Atlantic 10 for basketball. But, no, I don't, I don't think it makes the American a more 
attractive uh, conference for for television. Um, I mean, if look, if if UTSA and some of these other programs, uh, if if UAB, if they continue to, to project upward, you know, maybe you could say, oh, well, hey, we have another team in Texas. We have, you know, Birmingham's a solid market. Yeah, but no, I don't think uh, off the, you know, off the, you know, off the top of my head here. No, my, I don't think it makes it a more attractive package for for a TV. Um, and then with how will that impact recruiting? It's, I don't know. Not sure. Kyle? Sam's taking off for class. We love I was waving to Sam, but I can talk as well. Um, my initial knee-jerk reaction was going to be not at all. Like, I never bought into the logic of like, oh, well, now that they're playing UAB, you can recruit Alabama. But now that I'm actually kind of thinking about it, they started recruiting North Carolina more once East Carolina joined the yeah. American. Yeah, so, like, point. I, I don't think it's all of a sudden you're going to see, like, well, seven of Temple's 25 kids are from Alabama that's recruiting. It's like, well, but I think there are opportunities for you to kind of hone in on somebody who might want to get away from college, but still wants to come home. So there, there's opportunities there. Mm-hmm. Texas, like they already had that though. Like there was already Houston. There was already SMU. You already had these things. Like Alabama is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Dante, what do you think? I think, I don't really think it'll have that big of an impact, uh, honestly, on recruiting. I mean, like was, was Temple selling point ever? Like we play in a good conference. Like, I, I don't think that it was not, not saying that the Americans bat. I, I personally think the American competes with some of the power five conferences, but like, was that ever Temple's like pitch on the recruiting trail? Like, I don't no. know if it was, you know no. what I mean? So like, no. I, you know, I'm not like, I really want to make it clear. I'm not bashing the American. Like, I, I think like good conference. I, I really do think that, but like, I, I don't think it's gonna make that big of a difference for recruiting. No. Honestly, I would agree with that. Their their recruiting pitch is stay at home and try to get to the NFL, like, right? right? Like that's okay. what it is. So like, doesn't matter who you're playing. Well, even when they were, even when they were, even when Al Golden was was trying to resurrect the program, it was like, hey, we just became affiliate members of the MAC. Come play Ball State, Eastern Michigan, the directional Michigan schools. No, it was like you, you keep Muncie, Indiana's name out your mouth. <laughs> you, you, Kyle lived in Muncie, Indiana. What is your favorite memory of being in Muncie, Indiana? Uh, closing up the U-Haul to leave Muncie, Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was perfect. Perfect response. Well-timed. Good rhythm to it. Um, yeah, they never I – don't, I don't think Al Golden was ever out there saying, hey, if you come play with us in the MAC, you're going to be playing – against Miami of Ohio and they've got the next Ben Roethlisberger here. No, I, I'm sure they didn't crap all over their conference, but it was like, come to temple. We're tough. We're physical. We're building something here. Uh, you know, you've heard Gabe Infante talk about it, whatever direction this program takes in the future. I still think they're going to try to remain committed to recruiting this five to six hour footprint and in, in, you know, in any direction. So no, I don't know that it really has a dramatic effect on, on recruiting either way, just like we've been talking about in other areas, they have to get their own house in order, regardless of what uh, conference they're in. Uh, Green Street Owl, uh, again, going back throughout Kerry thing, Sam and Dante were both still skeptical on last week's pod about Kerry losing his job, but the caveat, if we got whacked slash embarrassed against UCF. So here we are, what percentage does everyone now give of it happening? Kyle, your, your percentage was what again? I think I said high, but I'm at 87%. And I will say East Carolina will either push me up five or push me down five, depending on the outcome. Dante, so I, could be, I could be anywhere from 82 to 92 in three days. <laughs> Dante, you want to put a number on this? I, I think I said it earlier. I'm like 70, 30. Um, and I, I was like 
30 70 the other way a couple of weeks ago so like that's that's how bad it has gotten um yeah i I think 70 30 is where i'm at with it right now but i agree with kyle like ecu is definitely gonna like tip me one direction like honestly if they get like blown out by ecu like like kyle's score prediction comes through i'm gonna be like 90 10 like it's gonna be like a 20 point margin of error at that point yeah, I, I again, I don't know that I could add much else than what you guys have said. I, I, I take, I think you guys fall into this category too. I take no joy in talking about any human being potentially losing their job. I've had a fair working relationship with Rod. I don't, I don't think he's a terrible football coach. Uh, I think he's won a lot at Northern Illinois. I, I think that the the staff that he's put together these these aren't these are intelligent football people, but maybe it, it just ends up that this wasn't a good fit. And we'll see. Now, again, if they go down to, to Greenville and they play really well against TCU and they get this turned around, would that be a surprise? Yes. But if if they do, credit to them. I think it's an interesting case study to look at these kids. And, and look, I, I was talking to someone else who has knowledge of this, and they said, look, like th- these kids – they, they see the press conferences. They'll watch the press conferences. They, they know when the coach is upset. They know when the coach is happy. They'll watch the press conferences because it's their friends and they know about the outside noise. They have social media. They're scrolling through it on the bus after the games. They know what's at stake. They know what's going on. They try to block it out and they play for pride. And, and we'll see, they might just be too banged up. They might, this thing just might be lost, but um yeah, I'd have to see some sort of the the way things are going coupled with new leadership leads me to think that there there could be something that that happens here. Uh, the next one comes from uh, Mark Bell's the screen name here. Has the new athletic director used his first few days to quote listen and learn from the top ten athletic donors? Mark, I have no idea. Uh, Arthur Johnson just just got here. Uh, haven't talked to any donors. I mean, I've talked to some donors about you know, the direction of the program and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I, I don't know if Mark is trying to be uh, sarcastic here by putting the listen and learn thing in quotes. I think a lot of people say that when they come to a new place or a new organization, but uh, I don't know. I mean, Arthur Johnson was at the game on Saturday. He sat at the back of the, the, the media room there at Lincoln Financial Field. So he's there. Uh, I think he's serious about listening and learning. I don't know what donors he's, he's met with just yet. Yeah, good and question. I- can I interject just real quick? Cause like, I, I've sure. seen a lot of pushback on like the listen and learn thing. Yeah, like, And I think it's, you know, I think like, it's kind of silly. It's go ahead. What do you, what do you want him to do? Exactly. Like he just got hired. Like, what do you want him to do? Come in here and just start firing fools. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like, I don't know what people expect. Like, you know, and I think that people have this idea too, that like, you know, basketball and football are the only sports that exist. Uh, and like, that is just not, accurate like yeah obviously they garner the most attention and there's reasons for that blah 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 but like you know he has to go in and talk to the fencing coach he has to go in and like talk to the tennis team like he has to do all those things so like expecting him to come in here and immediately fire people and immediately be like we're going for the big 12 like stuff like that is just like completely unrealistic so i i don't know like not attacking this specific person i don't know what their connotation of the listen and learn thing is, but I've seen a lot of people on social media on the message boards be like, this is ridiculous. It's like, it's not ridiculous. It is like standard procedure and probably what he should be doing. If we're right. being honest. First of all, Dr. Nikki Frank has no time to meet with athletic directors. Okay. So the French coach, woman. Not to, yeah. all famer, woman, a true absolutely legend. Love Nikki Frank. Great. Yeah, she's incredible. She's awesome. Yes. I think people like to 
daydream and they view everything as like in extremes and they're imagining Ari Gold coming in with the paintball gun and just shooting everybody like you're out, you're out, you're out, you're out, fired. In reality, that doesn't happen in any business. At the end of this, this is still a business. Uh, you got to get the lay of the land before you can do anything. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, no, no. So the answer to the initial question of had like viewing the question entirely at its face value, if that's a legitimate question, then like, yes, I think now with him having been on the job since Friday, whatever it was that yes, there has been conversations with stakeholders in this, because of course there is, that's part of the listen and learn aspect. Yeah. I would, I would be mildly surprised at some point that, that, that Arthur Johnson does not start engaging with donors. Again, I've talked to a couple of people who are familiar with his thinking. He's been studying this temple job for a while. I think a lot of people who are in this business, once the job became available yeah, again, we have to remember here that when Pat Kraft left, it was not like Fran Dunphy was hired in perpetuity. It was supposed to be a short-term thing. So a lot of people, if, if you're in this industry, okay, that job's going to come open at some point. Can I win there? What's the culture like? What's the leadership like? Can I do this? Can I do that? Arthur Johnson's been studying this job for a while. I would be shocked if he doesn't start meeting with some key stakeholders and donors at some point. I agree with you guys. I can't remember if we were talking about it off the pod or on the pod. The worst thing he could have done was come in here, put himself in a box and try to win a press conference. If you win a press conference, we know that that, that really does not matter. Doesn't matter. Charlie Manuel didn't win press conferences and eventually won a World Series. Uh, Doug Peterson certainly wasn't winning press conferences, won a Super Bowl. Now he's gone. Brian Snicker yes. never wins press conferences, got himself a ring. There you go. So, you know, the worst thing he could have done is say on the first day, oh, yeah, um, yeah, sure. We, we play in the American, but yeah, I'll have us in the Big 12 in two years. Now we'll get a stadium built in three years. Just you wait. You can't do that stuff. You can't. It's smart leadership and smart business to say, yes, I'm going to listen and learn. I agree with you, Dante. I got this, this vibe from certain factions of the fan base where they just saw it as a weakness on his part. And I just, again, I, and again, I get it. We're always talking about human nature. Human nature is at play here. Fans want you to to accomplish things for them, to, to exercise their demons and their frustrations through questions and stuff like that. And I always tell people, we can ask these questions, you know, always have to like the answers. But again, he's been on the job a couple of days. He was at the game this weekend. Uh, but listen and learn, I don't think it is such a, such a bad thing. Um, the, we'll close things out here with a three-part question from the screen name 215 Temple Tough. Number one, what are the odds Dewan Mathis sticks around after this year if Carrie is still the coach? Since both aren't on the same page in regards to communication back and forth with Mathis, again, that's a bit of a leap there. We talked about that earlier in the pod. Um, I think Rob provided some clarity there. Could Dewan be frustrated? Sure. Anyway, since I'll read this question again, since both are not on the same page in regards to communication back and forth with Mathis saying one thing after the game and then Carrie contradicting him during his weekly press conference. Uh, Look, Dewan Mathis could, you know, I think some people take this to an extreme and say he's not going to go anywhere because he already got the waiver. Dewan Mathis could transfer. He would just have to say, you know what, I really think it's in my best interest to be somewhere else again, but he would have to, he would have to sit a year or have a really, really compelling case for Unless. or there's a coaching change. That's in the other thing. What? What? Oh. Unless he goes to the FCS level, you can do what Real Mitchell did. You don't have to sit okay. out. You go down the yeah. FCS. Yeah, but no, no, um, I don't think I don't think he's going. Anywhere. Actually, I don't know. I'm not in the business of predicting where people are going at this point with the transfer. Portal. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, Dante. Anything you want to weigh in on here? I the way I try to look at it, and again, like I'm with Kyle. Like it's just kind of become such a crapshoot at this point. Like projecting where people go, but the way I try to look at it is like you know I'm assuming Dewan wants to play in the NFL. 
the best opportunity for him to get his reps is probably at Temple right now, regardless of who the head coach is. Uh, I know that they, you know, this staff really likes Justin Lynch. If it's a new staff, you have to think that that emotional attachment to Justin kind of deteriorates. We probably don't see Justin for 10 to 15 snaps a game. I, that's what I would think. Now, I mean, I think Dwan's better than Justin. I, I really do. I think right now, I think he's a better quarterback. So I think it would be wise for him to stay at Temple. So I'm going to lean that way, no matter who the coaching staff is. But would it surprise me if he transferred? No. Yeah. And, and again, no one truly, truly knows what's on his mind, but Dewan Mathis. But you know, when when you, when you go back to when he was recruited, and I think Sam did the story on him and talked to him, and, and he said, you know, Rod Carey was the one coach who talked to me every single day throughout my recruiting process. I don't think Rod Carey's lying when he says we talk every day. He talks to Mike Dremovich every day. Um, I think it was again human nature at play and a little bit of frustration. Sure, he could leave and decide to sit out a year. There's just so much we we don't no yet at this point question number two from 215 temple top how involved is carry in both the offensive and defensive play calls there is no creativity on the offensive side of the ball and i can't understand why our defensive coordinator this year seems willing unwilling excuse me to make any adjustments to putting more than three guys up front on the line the inability to make any adjustments to scheme or play calling throughout the game is troubling in terms of the offense Look, we're not on the headsets, but there are several. There have been several times where you know there's a good play call, or we'll say, Rod, can you walk us through this play? And more often than not, he'll say, Great play call from from Mike Uremovich. Any head coach at any point in any game can overrule his coordinators. That's just that's just a fact. How often does that happen? I don't know. So I would assume that Rod Carey is is pretty involved uh, when it comes to defense. Yeah, I think it's fair game. We've talked about that three-man fronts. Dante, you literally talked about this last week. You said, I get it. The three, three, five, three-man fronts. That's modern football. We get it. You know, that a lot of times, and again, it's talked about with Jonathan Gannon with the Eagles. You hope that, you know, if you can keep things in front of you, you play the percentages that eventually some team's going to shoot itself in the foot, but it's not working for Temple. Um, the defensive line play, I think has regressed. Um, yeah, that's, that's fair commentary adjustments not going well, three guys up front. I get it. Uh, Rod Carey's involved with everything. How involved is he during the games on the headset? We, we don't know unless we're there, but I don't know. I don't know if you guys want to add anything to the mix there. The only thing I'll add is like the offensive play calling thing. Uh, this has always been an incredibly vanilla offense, like e even when it was firing on, on cylinders. And it's designed to be simple. Uh, it, it is like intentionally designed that way. Um, I think that one thing that they've been missing this year is that, you know, say what you want about Anthony Russo, um, stretch the field for them pretty well. well yep. They completed a lot of vertical shots under him. Yep. They don't have that element of their offense this year. I think the, uh, the big one obviously was the 70 yarder to Randall Jones against South Florida. Outside of that, it's tough for me to remember like a big explosive passing play that wasn't, that didn't start behind the line of scrimmage off the top of my head. Uh, they're missing that element of this offense. Teams are just crowding the box. They know they can't run the ball. And again, like, you know, you have to differentiate college football from the NFL. You can get away with that in the NFL because quarterbacks are nuts in the NFL. Can't get away with that in college. You have to be able to threaten with a running game at least a little bit. Uh, and Temple doesn't have that. Teams are crowding the box because they know they can't beat them over the top. Uh, you know, the offense is already simple. I mean, you take away being able to beat teams vertically. I mean, that's like what a third of your offense gone and you already run incredibly simple offense. Like 
I don't know how many adjustments you can make outside of we need to block longer and we need guys to make plays down the field. Uh, like that, that's kind of where they're at. At least, you know, me watching back some of the broadcasts is just like, they don't have the time to throw the ball down the field. Uh, and they don't have guys who can win down the field consistently either. Uh, that, that's another problem here is like, you know, three, four times a game, they just chuck the ball in Brandon Max direction and he just come down with it. They, they don't have that guy this year. Randall Jones, is a good player. Jose Barbone's having a nice season. That's not their game. It's never been their game. And I, I think that they're just missing that vertical element and it's kind of condensing all of the space on the field and it makes it really hard for them. Yeah. One thing, one thing I'll add is with the, the three-man front thing. Has there been anybody that you see rotate into the defensive line and you go, wow, they definitely need to find a way to get them in to be like, so they have to have a four-man front? Like this, there's just not the depth there this year. Like yeah. they started off in that three – Three, three, five, one, because like Dante said, it might be the future of football and you have the ability to do that, but it's because they have the depth of those positions. And now they don't have the depth at safety. Uh, you're running into things like this. I just don't think that didn't, just because the depth at safety is being tested doesn't mean that the depth on the defense line all of a sudden became like no longer a problem. It's still right. a problem. They did that a little bit against UCF. They ran a four man front 21 of the 60 some snaps. So like they did like a third of the time, but it's still this far into the season, you don't think you all of a sudden just completely change what you practiced. One thing we left. going off of that oh, go ahead, real quick, John is like, you know, uh, I, I think the fan base has this perception of like, if we add a fourth person, we'll be able to stop the run. Like you still have to disengage from blocks and like keep gap integrity. Like does adding another person help? I mean, sure. But I, I don't think that's going to solve all their problems, but yeah. Yeah. One thing we, we didn't mention earlier and uh, I'm not saying he's really moved the needle, regardless but will rogers was not at the game the washington state transfer was not at saturday's game rod was asked about it he just said he's not here rod was asked about it on monday and basically said he hasn't made a determination so we don't know if will rogers is still with the program what's going on there but again i really hasn't really hasn't done much this year maddie walker was doing stuff earlier in the year he had a you know um you know, had that that really nice sack against boston college a couple of interceptions but we really just have not seen much of anything happening with that defensive front. Quavio Mahone, yes, he's he's young, but really hasn't moved the needle there. So that's definitely definitely a fair point. Um, third and final question here from two one five Temple Tough. If Carrie is still here at the end of the season, will he have the courage to revamp his staff and let go of the guys who have been with him since Northern Illinois, who clearly aren't pulling their own weight, or will he be happy to go down with the ship, knowing he will still be getting paid? I mean, that's that's an interesting question and a scenario that that people will contemplate and again we are assuming uh, th again these are hypotheticals we don't know what jason wingard is thinking we don't know what arthur johnson is thinking could there be a scenario where again it's all hypothetical we're making this up could but could they say to rod hey listen we we want to we want to give you another year to try to get this right, but you have to make changes on your staff. Mike Yurimovich has to go. Jeff Knowles has to go. Would Rod do that? Or would Rod just say, you know what, let's just get our, let's just get our agents in place here. Let's get your representation in place, get mine in place. And let's just figure out a way to, to, to part ways here. I, that could be something that happens again. We don't know the thinking of, of Temple's administration, but um, I, my, guess educated guess would be that rod might just say hey let's let's move along here and again i get it i've never been in their situation it's it's hard a lot of people are loyal people 
inherently and rod has won a lot of football games with these guys and it's not working out here right now could that be a, a bridge that they come to maybe i don't think it's that likely but i understand why fans are thinking about it again total 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 guess i think that rod would be inclined to say let's just let's just work out let's just work on the buyout here but i could be i could be dead wrong if it even comes to that what do you guys think or you get more machiavellian with it you do what al golden did you get the coordinator that they want you to fire, you get him to be a finalist at another university and you go, look, you can't make me fire this guy. He's, he, <laughs> he almost got a head coaching gig and then you buy yourself another year. Al um, Golden, who's being mentioned by the way, as a potential candidate at UConn. Al Golden should be mentioned in any job North of Virginia. Yep. Like UConn, he'd be a good fit. Rutgers, he would have been a good fit. Temple, he would be a good fit. Mm-hmm. UMass, he probably wouldn't be interested. But if you're interested in UConn, I think you can take that if, if it's true that he's interested in UConn, not, not just that UConn's interested in him. I think you can throw the notion of him not being interested in college sports right out the window, because if he's interested in that job, he's getting the itch. Yeah. Um, I also found interesting that reports that he's also considered somebody that might end up becoming a defensive coordinator at the NFL. Level. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Al's always been a good defensive mind. Tested the best. Bengals um, are playing well. Their linebackers are playing well. Well, they were playing well. Well, yeah, <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't play well this week, right? Right. Uh, when, when Mike White likes you, thinking more, thinking more of the, thinking more of the, uh, the Ravens game. They're impressive there, but go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree. I think that if, if push came to shove, and a month from now they're saying, look, you got a clean house, and you can only keep these five guys, and the other five guys you got to get rid of, and we start over. If you're Rod Carey, like, what are we doing here? Like, why are yeah. we going through the notion of doing that? Like, why would I want to completely revamp this and bring all this in, especially somebody that. For all, if you, for all of his perceived faults, like Rod Carey is an incredibly loyal person. He's always like the promote from within person. I have this guy who's in an analyst role that I want to promote to my next on the field thing. Like, so it's like that. I can't see that being the type of person of him going to the coaches convention and be like, I'm looking for an offensive coordinator. Like I just can't see it happening that way. So like, I think if it came to that, it would be, yeah, let's, let's get our, let's get our represent representation together. Let's figure this out. Yeah. Dante, any thoughts? I tend to agree with you guys. And I think like, even just like separating this from Rod Carey specifically, like when was the last time that a head coach was forced to fire X coordinator X position coach, and they brought a new guy in and it just all of a sudden fixed everything. Like when right. was the last time James that Franklin. model like really worked? James, yeah, Franklin, James Franklin with Joe Moorhead, right? Like sometimes it works. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's like a different, oh, I think it's a different animal, different. Yeah. Like the overwhelming majority of the time that model is not successful. So like, I, I think if I agree with you guys, if you're Rod Carey at that point, you might as well just, you know, let's get together. Let's figure out a, you know, buyout or whatever that looks like. Yeah. And that's who's to say that works. So like odds are you do, yeah. you do that. You bring that in. Right. Like you see what happened with LSU. Once Joe Brady left, guess what? Nobody's good in that, in that job. Like I just kind of think that, it would just be punting for a year. And I don't think Rod Carrick would want to do that. And I for sure don't think Temple would want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, packed episode this week. Pleasant surprise that Kyle was able to join us with his hat head and uh, his take on soups. When Sam yeah. tweeted, oh, we're doing it in person. I was like, oh, crap. If they actually are doing it in person, we'll be able to hop on. But I yeah. uh, tweeted, texted. Well, imagine he was just tweeting our group chats. Like we text something, he just responds via Twitter. Tweeting stuff that he thinks is uh, is a DM. But anyway, uh, again, big thank you to all of you for listening. We will be back next week to dissect whatever the hell happens between Temple and ECU, uh, answering your mailbag questions, talking more basketball as the season opener approaches. So uh, thanks for listening again. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>